feature presentation. Welcome back to another untitled TIFF review, sort of, but for a movie that's already out in theaters and we're back at home. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Yeah, this is an interesting one uh, as we are slowly going through the catalog of movies that we saw at TIFF and, you know, putting together reviews. Pearl was released during the festival uh, on September 16th in North America and, um, you know, has been out in theaters now for, for almost a week and has been doing okay for, for you know, a, a, a micro budget, you know, prequel to a horror movie that wasn't made for much to begin with and kind of was the brainchild of both director Ty West and star Mia Goth. Um, but I think it's still worth talking about and still worth discussing in the consciousness of, of both, you know, Martin Scorsese uh, recently giving it his seal of approval, but also with, you know, the fall the Marty stamp, the official fall season kicking things off for spooky it's sweater season. weather, baby. Yeah. Spooky, we- spooky season. Spooky yeah, week. We're, uh, <laughs> spooky week. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's after tip, as you can maybe tell uh, our brains are a little uh, mushy, but uh, we're back at home. So we're back on video. We're back with the good microphones. We will be reviewing stuff for the next kind of couple weeks uh, for the movies we didn't review at the festival, but we do have like. 11 or so reviews up right now that you guys can check out for movies uh, like the People's Choice winner, uh, the Fablemans, uh, the People's Choice Midnight Madness winner, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. We have Triangle of Sadness, Banshees of Inishirin, Empire of Light, The Whale, Glass Onion, uh, Bros, Brother, I Like Movies. So there's like lots of stuff up for you guys to check out from TIFF right now. Uh, but then the plan is uh, Eric and I will be reviewing stuff over the next couple of weeks now that we're back at home. Uh, a little bit more lucid than we were in the tail end of the festival uh, back in the comfort of our own homes. And we also have a TIFF wrap up show, which you guys can check out on the Untitled Movie podcast channel, where we kind of go over everything we've seen in our experience as a whole at the film festival this year. Uh, so you guys can check that out as well. Just go to Untitled underscore movies on Letterboxd and you'll find everything. Uh, yeah, Eric, it's sweater weather. It's like a cool 14 degrees Celsius today. I got my free Tick Tick Boom <laughs> merch that I got. That is on. a comfortable sweater. It is. It is. It is. Um, probably the best stuff we can get sent by people. It's just like sweaters I can wear at home. Yeah. Um, but I'm all for sweater weather, baby. And uh, I'm all for spooky season. And I'm all for uh, Ty West doing a weird micro budget horror trilogy now. <laughs> so yep. why not? Yeah, so, I, I, I mean, kick it off. I mean, we didn't review X officially. I think I talked about it a little bit. As my dog's um, bark. <laughs> that's fine. Um, people understand at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's still probably better than the uh, the background noise we had during TIFF. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I saw X much later. Um, who knows why? Um, but I... I didn't see X right away. Uh, I did catch it on like a sun a Sunday or Saturday morning and uh, enjoyed Sunday? it quite a bit for like a pretty, yeah, a spooky Sunday. And then um, I enjoyed it quite a bit for like, you know, a throwback kind of uh, slasher uh, kind of movie. And, um, you know, I didn't think I necessarily was like, oh, this Pearl character, I need a, a series of movies on on her but um you know what after seeing this and and x i think both movies are very very different 
um, but complement each other uh, uh, quite a bit and are a pretty solid kind of uh, pairing as well as now confirm that he is doing Maxine with three X's as the third in the trilogy as well. Yeah, I think you just set it up perfectly. I mean, X kind of felt like this homage to the works of Toby Hooper, specifically with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Eaten Alive. Um, and it kind of played within those genre tropes of the late 1970s exploitation and with, you know, kind of uh, the boom of adult uh, cinema, specifically going to theaters and being able to cash in on making movies on the fly and smaller again you know very limited budgeted movies that are kind of amateurish but would make a profit for the people that were producing them and maybe catapult one of the you know stars into uh the stratosphere and that's where mia goss maxine character and x comes into play but um spoiler alert for 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 x if you haven't seen it yet uh, Mia Goth is playing dual roles as uh, the elderly woman, um, Pearl, who lives on the farm with her husband, who um, is basically covered in prosthetics and, and makeup. And the first time you watch it, you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, is this some sort of weird, like, supernatural thing? Because when you see photos of Pearl, it's Mia Goth, you know, mm-hmm. and then what it is, it's just simply, okay, well, she's just playing these, she's just playing both roles. It's nothing, yeah. you know, like overly convoluted or, or what have you. It's just more maybe confusing the first time you see it. Um, with this, uh, with, with Pearl, what you have here is you have Mia Goth and Ty West writing together. This is Mia Goth's first writing credit, putting together a story, a prequel that takes place in uh, the World War I era where we see a younger Pearl um, slowly but surely um, turn into the slasher that we will see in X. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here, specifically the dynamic between her uh, and her immigrant parents, uh, her German uh, farmer parents, and specifically the mother and daughter. Reminded me of my Oma so much. Yeah, well, just the way that you have Pearl ta- speaking in English, and then the yeah. mother will speak With back. With kind of a Southern accent, too. Yeah, will speak in German, and they both understand each other, but they don't speak in the same language at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting where there's no compromise between the two. And there's this kind of um, dis- kind of like this disconnect with the generational gap and also the, the matriarch of this, this farm seeing what Pearl is before she becomes a, a serial killer uh, essentially. Yeah. And so you know, you still empathize with with Pearl in a certain way. There there are moments where you feel, you know, like like any teenager, like any young adult, maybe feeling suffocated or overwhelmed mm-hmm. by either having to live at home their or living in the shadow sheltering of their, them, basically. Yeah, yeah, and having to take care of their parents or basically instill what their parents have given them and keep going if they don't want to do that. So the parents and, and they're taking care of, of um, 
their invalid father who had a stroke due to uh, influenza, which is another thing that kind of has a contemporary spin here yeah, is that you have that the COVID pandemic, you know, matching influenza or the beginning of the flu in, you know, the, the early 1900s. So with that, that's a lot to kind of, you know, dissect and look into. But again, I think there's a lot going on with the parental mm-hmm. kind of aspects of it. There's even this weird incestual thing going on where you'll have Pearl taking a bath in front of her of father, her father. Yeah. who again is incapacitated and can't really move, but there almost seems to be something alluding to some sort of abuse before he was sick that I thought was kind of interesting in terms of its storytelling, but there's still you know, your, 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 your classic kind of slasher gore moments and things like that, but it doesn't necessarily um, feel tethered to what X was. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said. I think uh, Mia Goth, uh, absolutely fantastic in this role. And I, I, what's wild watching X is I didn't even clue into the dual role thing until much later into the movie because I didn't know going in, um, which is, you know, obviously it's very clear it's someone in, in heavy makeup in watching X, but uh, I didn't clue into the dual role thing until they kind of give that to you um, towards the second half in the last act of the movie. And and I liked what X did of playing on, you know, this older woman who sees this young woman who's beautiful and, and trying to make it in Hollywood. And, but even though it's a porn um, emphasis on the wood, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I loved that juxtaposition between her looking exactly like she did when she was younger. And even though they're playing two completely different characters, just kind of like what that film dealt with, not even necessarily ageism per se, but just like dealing with um, feeling young and beautiful and how, how that affects you as you get older and, and, and stuff like that, too. Obviously, we see here that that started when Pearl was very young as well. But like, um, I just love the style of this movie. Couldn't be more different. Um, but I like that idea of doing a trilogy that all is set in uh, very different time periods, all kind of emulating or taking paying homage to the films of that era uh this being kind of that golden age of hollywood i know people have used you know uh, wizard of oz and and, and things like that too because well, of the scarecrows specifically yeah. it's it's i, I said in my rogers review it's a technicolor terror you know sure and that's kind yeah, of i what love it that. is yeah yeah that's exactly it right and then i love the idea of the next one going to the 80s and emulating um you know horror films from that era as well right so like the vhs that's just specifically yeah, like that's such a great idea. Um, but then this movie kind of like relies on Mia Goth. And I think she just does a really g- great job as this character. And it is unsettling. It is, you know, it, it's a slower burn than X, I would even say, because like it doesn't get into those horror slasher elements until maybe, you know, the last act of the film. And it very much is just about this young girl who's sheltered on a farm who wants to make it in Hollywood, right? And I, and ironically, we were talking about, this is still a TIFF review, so let's reference other TIFF movies. But like I said, there was this reverence for like cinema and the movies that this movie had that was like missing from something like Empire of Light, which Empire of Light is fully about that, uh, of, you know, the experience of, you know, cinema and, and going to the movies. And I feel like Pearl's love for, for, for that was, you know, way more prevalent than, you know, maybe the um, Olivia Coleman character or, or um, Michael, sorry, Ward's. The other, uh, Michael Ward's character in Empire of Light. And 
Yeah, I just uh, I thought, you know, the pacing was great. Like the style was great. Um, I, you know, I liked that slow burn. Um, I liked kind of the unsettling nature, beginning with that scarecrow. Um, I like I'm married. David, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just has. A, it's it's just her uh, uh, dive into like her madness was kind of really interesting and um, and portraying of this like drive to wanting something so badly. Right. And then if you yeah, because she wants that, to become a it, dancer. Right. Yeah. And like that's her goal. Like that, like, you know, after watching, you know, films at the local cinema and kind of falling in love with the projectionist because she's also married and her husband. I was just going to mention David Kors sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and <clears throat> and so, you know, while her husband's away, she kind of feels like, you know, you, you have this amazing monologue that comes in the last act that's about nine minutes long and it's all on Mia God yeah. and she gives an amazing performance in that sequence and throughout the entire film. But like, that's like kind of like this, like the final kind of showcase moment. Um, and when you're watching that, like everything comes out, but what, what you just mentioned is really important to emphasize here <clears throat> is that you have a character who is literally so desperate to get out of the life. She has been sort of, given to live and you know the mother says you should be grateful for the things you have not the things that you want um and with that you have to consider okay well this character you know no matter what she does will never be able to find happiness even if it is you know the thing that brings her the most joy and she'll find a reason why you know whether it be an excuse or not to you know blame somebody else for her own uh you know failures and that i think is interesting as well and going back to the tiff thing in terms of relating it to another movie or another director she pearl kind of reminded me of a darren aronofsky character very similar to ellen burston's performance in requiem for a dream someone who's so delusional and focused on this singular goal yeah that by the time you know, they, they get to that moment, they've self-sabotaged themselves so much that there's no going back. And that destruction of themselves has an effect on people around them. Now, Ellen Burson's character in Requiem for a Dream wasn't a murderer or anything like that, sure. but <clears throat> it seemed like everything in that movie, you know, falls apart where it's kind of similar here, but Pearl is such a, a, a wrecking ball in her own right that when you know things don't go well for her you know you're waiting for that big moment that outburst that 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 simmering pent up yeah psychology to kind of wreak havoc on those around her and sometimes the people that are you know testing her patience you know they don't deserve to die but at the same time you can understand from because it is from her point of view that you know, these characters aren't very compassionate or understanding, even her um, sister-in-law, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mitzi. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, I totally agree with all that too. And um, I think this movie could be watched without ever seeing X. And I still think that you would. It is a prequel. A you could see it. this before X. Yeah. But I also think that it does a really great job without being, and I think maybe because it's so close to x like both being released in the same year that all those nods to x with the alligator with the pitchfork with the axe with the, like all with the different porn, things right? that, like the underground yeah, kind of quote-unquote exactly smut of the time yeah all of that stuff i thought was done in a 
really well. And maybe it's because there wasn't so much distance. Like say this came out 10 years after uh, X came out, then maybe some of that stuff would be a little bit more like, okay, you got a nod to everything that happened in X. But I think when you're shooting these so close, almost back to back that like it does tie those two films together quite a bit. (laughs) And then um, I just also liked, um, you know, the setting because it, it, again, being so familiar from how it looks in the seventies in X, like I liked seeing it in 1918 and, you know, at the, the height of this farm being, you know, her mothers and, and things like that. Um, and I, I will say, yeah, this, her, her mean mom reminded me of my mean Oma, um, uh, you know, but not in a good way. <laughs> like in this movie, it's very different. Um, but like, it just, also my Oma being, you know, immigrated from Germany and it just felt very believable. And, 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 you know, my mom probably dealt with it more than even I did, but just her accent and the way she was talking, um, to Pearl, um, felt very authentic, even though it's heightened in this movie, (laughs) like from a personal experience, like my Oma, a wonderful woman, but was very, you know, German. And, and that is exactly it is like very kind of to the point and borderline mean at times, but still had your best interests in, um, in mind. And, um, it just kind of brought me back to that. Um, may she rest in peace. But, um, so I like the relationship with her family, even though it's disturbing and, and, you know, obviously where it goes, um, is, is awful, (laughs) but, um, I, I really actually kind of dug this. And I, like I said at the beginning, like, I really feel like these couldn't be like more different in style and, and everything, but I feel like, Ty West has found like a really interesting way to have a central character uh, or two different characters, I guess, with Maxine and Pearl played by Mia Goth and then kind of exploring the horror genre, exploring movies in general. And um, And I'm kind of the pornography industry and stuff like that as well. And and the taboo nature of it. I think there's two other things I want to expand on that you already mentioned that we haven't really yet. I think it's also really important to you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, her being uh, the daughter of, of German immigrants, mm-hmm. but it be, taking place during World War One, one yeah. and, and seeing that this German family, this family of three have basically kind of isolated themselves in right. their farmhouse away from the rest of the town. They only, uh, Mia Goss character Pearl only goes to town to pick up medicine for, for the father. And then it's like the look right of that town too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so she's supposed to come right home. And I think that that does a really fascinating and more compelling or has a more compelling perspective on, sort of discrimination and isolation than, you know, a movie that would focus, that would be kind of like a prestige movie that looks at how a German family living in the U S in the South specifically at that time. In 1918. Yeah. Would, 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 would be handled because there's no real scene where like the town village comes to, um, you know, the farm and says, we're not going to buy any of your crops or foods because you're German or things like that. Well, they it's, also send their daughter who sounds like American she's from, yeah. to do all of the, the errands and, and things like that. So I think that's interesting in itself that the, the conflict is there, but it's not overly um, showy or just completely, um, you know, consuming of what 
the plot is supposed to be about. It, it, it gets around that in a very interesting way. And then, you know, you mentioning the town, but even, you know, the, uh, the, the livestock and the barn and uh, the corn and the crops, there is this kind of fake facade of that period of filmmaking of that time that works really well um, in terms of, of showing you kind of the, the, kind of the Hollywood side of things where everything has kind of a, a slightly kind of, um, you know, plasticky kind of look or again, yeah. a fake facade overall. And I think that works really, really well uh, for the film. And, and, and again, thinking that both of these movies were, were shot in New Zealand during the pandemic and, you know, they are actually depicting a pandemic as it's happening on. Top I think that was a, a very war. smart way to do that too. Yes, like, yeah. and it, it felt both, those parallels to now but like also like oh shit yeah i guess that would have would have been it um, and it's super campy like i think it is it like is a campy in a funny good way movie though. at times yeah. you know you'll you'll never look at a pig roast maybe the same way again um and also um you know there's this final shot specifically uh the for the end credits that a lot of people have been posting online about since it's been opened that is is really unsettling but also kind of common similar and, to call me by your name you know yeah <laughs> I, I said you know like as soon as as soon as i finished watching the movie i i said to a couple of people that this is literally going to be john waters favorite film it has that kind uh-huh. of like campy serial mom kind of vibe i'll make sure to, to post when he puts his his top films of the year and it's that number one then i'll give you credit don't yeah worry. yeah because i it's got to be on there it ha- if it's not on there like if it's not number one it's at least in the top 10 somewhere y- yeah right? yeah exactly and it's just one of those movies that i think i mean if marty says that come on yeah maybe maybe he won't now because of, of scorsese maybe maybe score it's too cool for school now um yeah. but yeah it just Again, I just want to quickly go back to that monologue. It's interesting that yeah, this please. year it's that great. you have two monologues in films that are centerpieces for the actors giving exposition or character background with this and also Rebecca Hall in Resurrection where the camera's on her for what feels like a good 10 to 15 minutes as she explains backstory to her own you know, tragic uh, life and a moment in her life that that brought her you know, complete sorrow and was also extremely disturbing so i think that that's interesting as well just having genre movies that are character focused on women having moments of contemplation and realization and being able to share because again at this time therapy was not really a thing of course so it kind of feels like you're even watching a therapy session in, in a weird way totally um unrelated but i just finished the bear and there's a great monologue in the last episode of the bear that's about 10 minutes long from uh what's his name jeremy allen slate slate yeah because he's Um, just he just got cast in two things so he's gonna be on fire right now man after the bear like fingernails with jesse buckley and riz ahmed and then he's gonna be in sean durkin's uh the iron claw with zach efron which is about the von erics this has nothing to do with X just because there was yeah. a monologue and he's great and everyone should go watch the bear. It's fucking incredible. Um, but X is great. Also shout out to Howard for staying with Pearl, you know, <laughs> like, see, that's uh, the movie like, I want to see a sequel to a prequel yeah. sequel, because like that, I think would be interesting to see how that dynamic between the two evolved over, you know, the decades getting to yeah. X because obviously now we're going to jump to the 80s with Maxine. Do you and think probably, he does a fourth one where he goes in between? 
Maybe. I, I mean, he said that it's going to be a trilogy, but there's there's something curious about how like a couple, you know, that kills together stays, stays together. together yeah. Right? Um, and with Maxine, like Maxine, like I can I can already kind of see the direction it's going in where like you're going to look at, again, pornography in the 80s was when the VHS boom was kind of happening in a lot of that. I mean, Boogie Nights covers this too, where yeah. like a lot of it was on VHS and even just horror movies in general, there was a market for it then. And I'm sure there's going to be more of Maxine dealing with, you know, her being or, or escaping her religious cult, yeah, the trauma and, of that. Yeah. yeah. And maybe becoming a serial killer as well. I, I don't know, but like, it does seem like there is stuff that you can kind of, get an idea or a sense of what that third movie is going to be. Um, but I would love to actually see more with Pearl and Howard and sort of how that relationship develops, because it is an interesting place where they leave it. Um, and where, and you know, they go. stay together. So yeah. You're like, all right, bro. It could be like um, the honeymoon you, killers. Basically. You must really uh, love this woman. Uh, I'm going to give the movie a three and a half. I thought it was quite good. Yeah. I'm also going to give it a three and a half. And and a, and a, a an Affleck duck. Sure. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening or watching. We really do appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, we have lots of TIFF reviews out right now. So go check all of those out over on Untitled Movie Reviews. If you want a big two-plus-hour roundup where Eric and I give our full rankings of the films that we saw at the festival, as well as kind of our experience as a whole, go check out the uh, latest episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast, episode 132, where we talk about TIFF 22. Uh, One-stop shop for everything, head over to Letterboxd at Untitled underscore Movies. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, uh, mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, as well as on Family Feud Canada, which is uh, season four is now airing on CBC and CBC Gem, uh, Monday through Thursday uh, at 7.30 p.m. You'll see my questions. You won't know which questions are mine. Uh, but I'll just say it's all the ones that you think are good. Um, all the bad ones, not me. Uh, not so a bad one in the bunch. I, I've been selfishly flipping through, not selfishly, what, what would you call it? Like, um, anyways, I'm only looking for my questions when I watch the show. Like, I'm like fast forward and skipping through and I go, ooh, that one's mine. 90% of the time I go, did I write that? I don't know. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I wrote so much. Um, so go check that out and then uh, follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And uh, I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews. <laughs> Do a little bit, still, still that tiff brain coming through uh, on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene. Matt and I did a half an hour version of a tiff wrap up. So if you don't want to listen or watch the two plus hour version, you can watch the truncated one uh, when it will be available. I'll post it on all the social medias at EM6211 and on the untitled uh, uh, accounts as well. Until next time. Mother of Pearl, I'm married. <laughs>